Many are the challenges of a faithful child of God. We live in an ungodly world where Satan's influence is very prevalent at every turn. And it's very difficult for those of us who want to serve God and do what is right to not allow that kind of attitude and that kind of disposition to influence us in a wrong way. We've been studying for several weeks with the idea in mind of going into the Valley of Elah and facing our challenges just like David faced the challenge with Goliath. This morning I want to talk to you about one that in my opinion is more and more important and one that is a challenge in the world in which you and I live today. There was a book written in 1991, written by Patterson and Kim. The title of the book is The Day America Told the Truth. There was a question asked of Americans what would you be willing to do for $10 million? You know, this kind of proposition might in each of our minds to say, well, I would do this or I would do that. The answer to some of these questions tell us how much integrity many people possess in their life. 25% would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 25% would abandon the church. 23% would become a prostitute for a week or more. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses. 10% would withhold testimony that would allow a murderer to go free. 7% would even kill a stranger. And 3% would put out their children up for adoption. And you would say, surely no one would do those things. But yet you and I recognize that since 1991, things have only gotten worse. If I were to ask you about the man that you meet on the street... Does that man possess integrity? Many of us would have to say, no more. Now the question comes arising in our lives is, what about the person sitting next to me on the pew? What about me? What about you? You see, the truth is, integrity is something that you and I possess not only when times are good, but when times are tough. I ask you the question, does integrity matter anymore? How does God feel about integrity? Does he look at us and judge us on the basis of that? How does integrity, or the lack thereof, impact our lives? Do I want to deal and do business with a man of integrity? Or does it even matter? Well, I'd suggest to you as we descend into our own valley of Elah, each of us as we go down and we're trying to look at the battles that you and I are going to fight and the giants that we're going to face, are we going to battle for integrity in our own lives? 
So here's what I would like for us to do in our lesson this morning. I'd like for us to talk about the components of integrity. What does it comprise? What does it really do in our lives? Number two, I'd like for us to look at the consequences of a person who has integrity and also to look at the one who lacks integrity. And then finally, to talk about conquering through it. Let's begin with the word itself. I opened up a thesaurus and I looked at the synonyms. That's what a thesaurus is, if you don't know. It's not a, a dinosaur. Uh, of course, it might be for some folks. Uh, but uh, a thesaurus tells you that it means honesty, morals, principles, character, trustworthiness. It's describing a person who has honesty, not just on the surface, but at the very core of their being. It's a person who acts always in character with who they are and what they are. I'd like to use some passages to illustrate the point I'm trying to make. If you want to turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 20, and verses 3 through 6, I'll give you a little bit of background while you're turning there. If you remember, Abraham, chosen by God to be the father of the faithful, the one to whom the Savior would be born through his lineage, Abraham was, for the most part, a man of honesty and integrity. But at least twice in his life, he demonstrated a lack of character and a lack of honesty. In Genesis chapter 12, it was with regard to Pharaoh. In Genesis 20, it was with regard to Abimelech. And what Abraham had done, as well as Sarah, is to say, she is my sister, conveniently leaving out the statement that she was also his wife. I want you to notice the way that Abimelech responds in Genesis chapter 20. But God came to Abimelech by, in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay the righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister, and she even herself, he is my brother? Now listen carefully. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. Now what Abimelech is saying is, God, I didn't do this knowing that she was another man's wife. I did it in innocence. Integrity has to do with your intentions, your motivations. I'd love to spend a lot of time this morning on Job, and we will spend some time. But for a little bit, I'd like for you to think about Job's life and think about it not from the perspective of his suffering, but from the perspective of his character. You know, every time I open the book of Job, and the first thing we talk about is how badly Job suffered and the way he dealt with his suffering. But you know, the book also talks about his character and about his integrity. For instance, in Job chapter 2 and verse 3, 
to begin with, God will have a conversation with Satan. And then in verse 9, a conversation will take place between Job and his wife. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited him against me, or me against him, to destroy him without cause. You have to see, here's Job, a man of integrity. Even when the times got tough, you know what Job did? He always told the truth. He always operated by the right motivations. Job was a good man. You get to chapter 2, verse 9, and Job's wife is not a good woman. She looks at Job and she looks at what she has lost. She's lost a strong man who was very wealthy and now he is a poor man with poor health. And her statement to him was, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Those words just make my skin crawl. Curse God and die. You see, she didn't have the integrity that Job did. Come what may, Job is going to be the same man whether it's good or whether it's bad. He did not give up on God during a time of trial. In chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. In chapter 2, verse 10, he answers his wife and said, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Integrity is who you are regardless of the circumstances. Oh, it's easy to be good when everything is going well. But what are you when things go bad? What are you when people treat you badly? What are you when you are put under duress? What are you when you're put in a difficult situation? Job showed us. Now for just a few minutes, I'd like to go to Job chapter 31. And you may want to turn to this passage. In fact, if you do write in your Bibles, we're going to note several things that I think will be helpful. I tried to find a passage that in and of itself reflected what a person of integrity would do. And so in Job 31, he is going to look at his life and say... These are the things that ought to be a part of my life or these are things that ought not to be a part of my life that reflect his honesty of character, his integrity as a person. Now, I want you to know there's no way I can look at every verse of chapter 31, but we're going to pick some of them out. The very first thing that you will notice in verse 1 as well as in verse 9 is that Job is not a man who looks at other women and lusts after them. Oh, you might be able to cover that up where nobody else can see it. But Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look upon a young woman? 
I'm not going to look at young women and make them the object of my lust and my desire. Verse 9, if my heart has has been enticed by a woman or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, he's talking about the possibility of committing adultery, lusting after another man's wife. Whether it is a young woman or whether it is a woman who's married, he says, I am going to prevent that from happening in my heart. Oh, a lot of people can put up a, a really nice facade. But integrity is what's in your heart. Now, if you go to verse 5, he talks about falsehood and lying. He said, if I have walked with falsehood or my foot has hastened to deceit. You see, a person of integrity of heart does not lie. They do not deceive someone else. They don't leave a false impression with someone else. Job is emphasizing the truth of his character. Third thing, look with me, verses 13 through 22. Now, again, this is a long section. But Job is going to look at three to four categories of people. He's going to look, first of all, at those who would be his servants, the male and female servants. He will second of all look at those who are poor, who don't have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. He'll specifically focus on two categories of the poor, the widow and the orphan. And for just a moment, let's just take a few of the verses, verse 13 and verses 15 through 17. He said, if I have despised the cause of my male or female servant when they complained against me, You see, the the servants that he had could say, my master is not being fair with me. Job said when they issued a complaint, he said, I responded. I didn't despise that. I listened. Verses 15 through 17. Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? If I have kept the poor from their desire or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail or have eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat of it. You see, he's talking about poor people. And he said, the same God that made me made them. The same God that fashioned me in the womb fashioned them in the womb. I know you've heard that various lives matter And you can put whatever you want to in the blank. The truth is all lives matter. All souls matter. Jesus Christ tasted of the blood, tasted of death for every man. Hebrews 2 verse 9. The truth is that everyone, every person was formed in the womb by the same maker. And so you and I have to look and say, if a man is poor, he's needy, Job said. In the integrity of my heart, I looked at my servant, I looked at the widow, I looked at the orphan, I looked at the poor, and he said, I didn't withhold. You know, it's easy to become a person calloused in the heart. He pointed out I'm not a person of greed either. 
just like lust in verses 1 and 9, a person can become lustful for things. He said, if I have made gold my hope, or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great, and because my hand gained much. Job said, I didn't look at the wealth that God has blessed me with and say, that's what's delivered me. That's what's taking care of me. You see, integrity is where you and I look in our heart and say, even if I have nothing, I will continue to love God, as did Job. Verses 26 through 28, Job focuses his eyes upward to see the sun, to see the moon, and not mentioned here, but also the stars, the host of heaven. Looking up with the idea that I would worship them. He says, if I observe the sun when it shines or the moon moving in brightness so that my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth kissed my hand, that also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment for I would have denied God who is above. And you say, what do you mean kissing the hand? In the New Testament, the word for worship is to kiss the hand toward. It's an act of devotion. He said, if I look up and I see all the beautiful brightness of the sun and the moon, and he says, I'm secretly enticed to offer them worship and devotion, he said, that would have been worthy of judgment. What does your religion say about you and your heart? Do you have integrity in your worship Toward God. Is this just simply going through the motions because you want the person next to you to think you are religious? Or are you genuinely loving God in your heart? You say, oh, I'm starting to see some parallels between this and the Lord's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's chapter 5 through 7. Oh, talk about a righteousness that must be greater than the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, Matthew 5, verse 20. Let's look at verses 29 and 30. He said, If I have rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, indeed I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. Now you think for just a moment about those people who have done you wrong. You may never say a word cross against them. But do you secretly rejoice when evil befalls them? You see integrity, honesty, righteousness, trustworthiness, character, moral fiber is what we are on the inside. Verse 33. If I have covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom. Secret sins. Oh, I, I, I don't want anybody to see my sins. I'm going to try to keep them private. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. Integrity is a person who acknowledges his mistakes and says, I've got to fix them rather than cover them. Well, I think you've seen some of the components that are involved in character and integrity. 
But then you've got to think about the consequences. What if I live by integrity? What if I live without integrity? Well, these are things that you can live by and you can die by. In Proverbs chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble there is wisdom. Now listen carefully to verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy him. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. He's talking about a person whose life is guided and directed by their integrity. Decisions have to be made every day. You ask me a question, how will I respond? Will I respond deceitfully or will I respond truthfully? You ask me to do something, will I do it in a way that only pleases you but is not done so properly? You see, the integrity of the upright will guide them. When a person does that, they will be trusted and respected by others. The truth is, we're all building a reputation. Everybody will look at you and say, Oh boy, he's a good man. She is a good woman. Or they will look at them and they'll say, I don't believe a word they've got to say. They will look at us and say, You better not trust what they tell you. Proverbs 10, verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. People will know you by your character, by the way you live. Now let me point out to you that also there's some other consequences, not only in the sense of the way it directs our lives and the way we're known, Truthfulness helps people. Lying hurts both us and the person we're lying about. In Ephesians 4 verse 25, Therefore putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. If I lie to you, I'm hurting not only you, I'm hurting myself. Proverbs 12, 19, The truthful lips will be established forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. Chapter, uh, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Chapter 26, verse 28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Someone lying to you, they are spreading a net for your feet. Stealing also hurts us and it hurts others. In Ephesians 4 verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working his, with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. You do good things, you work hard, you have 
plenty to feed yourself and some to help those who can't feed themselves. On the other hand, if you steal, not only you deprive the person of that which was rightfully theirs, but you also have earned for yourself condemnation from God as well as a bad reputation among men. But I don't want to leave this without pointing out again that this affects our faith. This affects our religion. This affects our worship. Titus 2 and verse 7, Paul wrote Titus, In all things showing yourself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Your faith ought to be solid and not bowing to the winds of change just like when a willow tree has a wind blow one direction and another direction. Your faith should be solid and firm based upon your character as a person. Now for just a few minutes, I want to talk about conquering through integrity. You see, there's some characteristics of the person in integrity. And these things allow a person to be better. You know, it's possible that as I've been going through this lesson and you've been listening to the character of Job, you've been saying, you know what, my life is perhaps not as strong as it ought to be. Maybe you've been thinking about the honesty of character and how you have dealt with other people and say, you know what, I I know what Revelation 21 and verse 8 says that all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I want to be better. I know I can be better. It can bring for you a clear conscience. That means that when you lay your head on your pillow at night, because you have told the truth, you don't have to worry. Because you have told the truth, you know everything's okay. Proverbs, or excuse me, Acts 23 verse 1, Paul writes, Looking earnestly at the council, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Chapter 24, verse 16, this being so, I myself always strive to have a good conscience without offense toward God and man. I want to be able to not only stand before God knowing that I've done everything with the right motivation, but I want other people to see that in me as well. You say, well, how does that really fit? I'll give you a great illustration. John 8, they bring to Jesus a woman who's been taken in adultery. And what do they do? They ask Jesus, Moses said that she needs to be stoned. What do you say we ought to do? Jesus' response to them was, Let him who is without sin among you cast the first stone at her. Verse 9 says, Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Oh, I know what's going on now. People's consciences are not clear. They've not been motivated by the right character of heart. They know what they've done. You act with integrity, you can have a clear conscience 
and not be like those people in John 8. But we do recognize that some people sear their conscience like with a hot iron, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. And he said that the law, the purpose of it was for love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Not only will it provide you a clear conscience, it will provide you confidence on the day of judgment. You know, when the Lord returns again, you and I know what is actually in our heart. You and I know if we tried to do everything that God asked us to do, the way God asked us to do it, or whether or not we tried to sort of run the edge and hope that maybe God would somehow not notice. John writes in 1 John 3, verses 20 and 21, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Your heart doesn't condemn you. You've got some confidence there. Live with integrity and you will have a much greater confidence on the day of judgment. The world may say character and integrity make no difference. You know, yesterday I went out and picked up the mail. There's all these little nice slick cards that have been stuffed in the mail from various politicians one calling this a liar, the other calling that a liar. I think most of us have already concluded that most of them lack integrity. Most of them lie frequently. I'm just being honest with you about who and what they are. The world says it doesn't matter, but God says it does matter. As Christians, we're supposed to be exemplary. In this world, our lives are supposed to stand out, and people should be able to look at us and say, You can't condemn them. Look at the way they live. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15, yet let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. None of us should ever suffer because we've done wrong. We ought to suffer because we've done what is right. And one must have integrity on the inside that affects the behavior on the outside. You see, I'm not preaching to people this morning to, to reform what you're doing. I'm trying to talk about the challenge, the battle that goes on for what's inside of you. Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Matthew 12.35, Jesus says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. Our character. Now I want to end with a passage from Acts 8. Philip and the eunuch have been going along the road... The eunuch has now come to the understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He looks and there's water there and he said, 
See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip will respond to him, If you believe with all your heart, you may. I want to ask you this morning, those of you who are not Christians, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all your heart? If you do, what you need to do is to follow through with repentance of your sins, confession of your faith, just like that eunuch did, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Now here's the next thing. Those of us who are Christians, are we walking in integrity? Are our lives the kind of lives that the the people in the community will see that brings glory and honor to God? Or are we a bad example of what a Christian ought to be? I don't know what it would take to move you, but I will tell you, if you will make integrity in your heart, you will be a person much happier and you will be saved ultimately. If you need to respond, please come together as we stand and sing.